Jackson, Mississippi, and all surrounding areas. You've tuned in to the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. That starts now. This is the Clay Edwards Show. I am live here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studio in the lovely Cotton Exchange Plaza on a beautiful, beautiful Mississippi Tuesday morning. Uh, you're going to go check out the Clay Edwards Facebook page. That I don't know why I said it like that. My Facebook page, you tend to talk about yourself in third person a lot when you do radio for some reason, or at least I do. Maybe that's my narcissism. I don't know. Neither here nor there. But a beautiful sun, sunrise this morning. I mean, <clears throat> God doing such beautiful work. It's, it's almost kind of comical sometimes. It can be such a beautiful sky, and then Jackson can be such a hellhole. Well, anyway, beautiful over Rankin County anyway. Uh, as I kid, I kid, I kid. All right, look, man, it is our latest edition of testimonial tuesdays or as i upload it to the internet i call it the recovery podcast i may end up tweaking that uh but that sounded good and that's what i went with hey real quick if you're looking for somewhere to eat lunch today our uh, our what's for lunch location is the gathering restaurant right there at the town of livingston the gathering restaurant on the corner of highway 22 and 463 near madison delivers an abundance of goods for you to enjoy. Enjoy their daily blue plate specials for lunch that feature the gathering's famous fried pork chops, which they say is the best fried pork chop on earth. And I have no doubt I've had their fried chicken. And I assume that the pork, if it's as good as the pork chops, my friends, you were in for a treat. They got a Nashville hot chicken up there, I think. And man, it's phenomenal. I had it the last time I went. It says, I look here. So on evenings, you can enjoy butcher cut steaks, fresh seafood, golden brown fried catfish, savory pastas, and delicious salads. Enjoy an excellent brunch on Saturdays from 10 to 2. Uh, live music every Sunday night. You can check out their Facebook and Instagram page for all the musical performances and who they are, what time they're going to be there, and all that fun stuff. Uh, the Gathering also offers family meals to go. The adjacent Livingston, Mer- Livingston Mercantile has a huge selection of hunting and fishing supplies. Visit the full-service gas station with its true southern hospitality. You know, I went out there the other day for that. I was going to Madison to pick up some Clay Edwards Show hats. There I go with third person again. And I stopped there at the gas station. It was cool, man. They got these old guys out there that pump your gas for you. I went inside. They have hamburgers. I got a hamburger. I wasn't even hungry, but something about buying a hamburger at a gas station seemed like a good idea. It was good. It was worth I'm glad I did it. But, hey, look, the lunch special today. Today's Tuesday. It is hamburger steak. And you get your choice of sides and all that stuff. Tomorrow, Wednesday, is fried pork chop. World famous fried pork chop day is Wednesdays. But today, if you're looking for somewhere to eat, get out there to Madison County, the corner of Highway 463 and Highway 22, the town of Livingston, the Gathering Restaurant. It is Hamburger Steak Day. And they have other stuff on the menu as well. So if Hamburger Steak ain't your thing, uh, try one of the menu items. I've uh, actually been eating a good bit of Hamburger Steak here lately because, you know, I've been on that carbless diet or whatever you want to call it so hamburger steak it is all right so i am joined in studio this morning by my guest miss christy barber christy has a project called the molly angel project and they are helping people uh with opioid addictions and stuff of that nature and narcan and get making that available for folks and we're going to talk about that today so if you want to call and you have any questions about any of the stuff that we discuss, the Dustin Bailey at Southern Magnolia's Realty phone line, 601-879-0002. The Guns and Gear text line, 
four. If you would rather text in your questions and or comments. All right, Christy, good morning. Good morning. Uh, let me cut your mic on. That would probably help. It might. There we go. All right, pull that mic just a little closer. All right, good morning. Good morning. So tell people about yourself. Well, um, tell them about myself or about the Molly Angel Project. Well, well they're kind of one in the same. Yeah, start with yourself and uh, what led you to the Molly Angel Project. So I am uh, I'm a central Mississippi native, been here all my life, lived and worked, grew up in the southwest Jackson area. Um, the Molly Angel Project is something I started a few years ago because of some personal experiences. Um, and I think we're going to get into all of that, but the rest of me is just me. I work and <laughs> go home. <laughs> so, so let's just jump in here. Um, let's start at the beginning. The Molly Angel Project, your, your son was dating a girl yes. who, who died so, of an overdose. So my right. son, my son and Molly, uh, met in, when they were in high school, the, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, they were, they were little kids. And as I said earlier, they were in love as only children can be in love. They they were soulmates. I said, okay, well, that's big for, for 15, but okay. So when you know, you know. Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. You do. Um, and, and Molly, Molly was just a little ray of sunshine in our lives. And then things started to change and they both, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have answers for for what started and how it happened, but they both ended up walking down the path of addiction. And my son um, survived a couple of overdoses, and he's not where I want him to be, but, you know, he's alive today. Um, we lost Molly in November of 2006. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, two, November 6th of 2019. So this is rather recent, right at two years? Yeah. Th- right at three years. Yep. Um, so a drug overdose, right? Drug overdose. Yes. What, what do you think? Oh, you say you don't know. So I guess there's no point I, in asking. The, what do you, how do you think it started? So I've asked that question. Was it, was it a I, prescription or was it partying or? He, he, I, I tell people all the time, we, we had both had surgery. He had surgery on his hand. I had surgery on my foot. We both got prescriptions he ended up addicted and I didn't. Do I think it started with that prescription? Not really. Um, I think that I asked him once. I told him, I said, son, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to know. I, I want to know the truth. I want to know how it started. And his answer was, you really don't. Um, he did tell me that it started. And I'm quoting him here at that fancy little private school that I was paying to put him through. Sure. Um, and I, so I struggle with this a little bit because I don't ever want to play the blame game. My son is addicted because he made choices. It's no one else's fault. And he knows that. Um, so where did it start is it's a, it's a really complicated question for me. Did it start from partying? Maybe so. Did it start from that prescription when he had surgery? Maybe so. I don't really know the answer to that question. And that's the one thing that I've always struggled with, I think, the most. You know, mine started from partying and then parlayed that into prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Not not intentionally. I mean, I was in a car accident and messed up my back and already it was just a bad timing or good timing, depending on your perspective. And I was able to parlay my partying addiction into a real life, full blown addiction. Yeah. 
and it was it, it was a struggle to stop. But I just I had a aha moment one day, and I look admittingly I never got into intravenous use or right. or heroin or anything like that, but. You know, anybody that would tell me a pill was real, I didn't question it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I could just as easily be dead, but, I, you know, I, I wasn't I, – I, it was tough. You know, so, I, I, my listeners have heard it at nauseum, uh, you know, about it, but it, it, it was tough. And I, I was talking to my guest last week whose mother – I'm sorry, whose sister-in-law and brother both died right at a year – two years apart from getting a bad pill laced with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And now he is raising their three children. So the fentanyl thing is very real. We're going to talk a lot about that today and the Narcan and how to save lives and right. w- what to look for, the whole nine yards. But I, I was telling him last week, I said, man, I asked him if he had he ever had a pain pill before. And he said he had not. And I said, it, it, it's like a warm blanket on a cold day. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, I understand why it's, why there's a need for pain medicine mm-hmm. for people who need pain management. But that unintended side effect of the way it makes you feel emotionally and mentally is unmatched by any other substance on this earth that I've ever put in my body. And no antidepressant, no Xanax, no Adderall, no amphetamine, no anything can top the way that an opioid makes you feel. And I probably sound like a great opioid salesman <laughs> up here talking about it, but I promise you, you do not want to make the mistake if you hadn't already. It is a, it, it, it can be very, <clears throat> you know... I, it can be very in, enticing, well, I guess we'll say. So I'm, I'm going to interject here, and I'm, I'm yeah. going to there, – there was something – throughout this journey, I, um, I, I started with a lot of – like I was leading the picket, not my kid. You know, we lived in Raymond. That doesn't exist here. That's yeah. something you see on the TV. That's like from the 1980s. That's Motley Crue. That's, that's not a – heroin is not a real thing here. I ate those words. But – Regardless, I, I went through the range of emotions. I went through the the anger and the sadness and the guilt and the self-blame and, and all of those things that you go through. Um, but there was there have been a couple of moments that sort of clicked for me. One, I, you know, I work in healthcare. Um, I was working at St. Dominic's. I was talking to a, a doctor there. He's actually a psychiatrist. And he told me kind of in conversation, not really talking about anything in particular. We were just, you know, just talking. <clears throat> he told me that there was a study done some years ago. I don't know the specifics of the study. I just know what he told me. There was a study done of recovering addicts. And, you know, people who are truly addicts, what you think of as, as truly addicted, they have a drug of choice. If you hand them two things and you say you can have this thing or this thing, they're always going to choose one. Now, they'll take anything they can get if there's not a choice. But if they have the choice, there's always going to be that one thing, that one substance that, that draws them every time. So this, this group of recovering addicts was asked, why? Why that substance? What was it about that thing that you couldn't let go of? And the overwhelming majority of those people said, because it made them feel normal. For the first time in their lives, they either were quieted in their mind, they were comforted from whatever pain they were feeling, emotional, traumatic, physical, whatever that may be. The, the, in, the inability to focus had kind of laser focused in. Something about that drug made them feel okay. 
And that that was a big moment for me because it's the moment that you realize we are treating a mental health crisis criminally. And 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 let me let me justify one thing real quick because I know we're going to get into this. There is a difference between criminalizing someone for being an addict and an addict doing a criminal thing. They have to answer for that. My son is doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um I have no I have no qualms about that, but there's a difference in in an addict doing this this thing that they know is against the law. They have to pay for that. But to criminalize the act of addiction itself, that's kind of where we're breaking down, I, I think, in my opinion. Well, it's, it, it's, it's not illegal to be an addict. It's not illegal to be an addict, but you can be arrested for possession of drugs. And I understand possession of drugs is, is, is an illegal yeah. thing. It's not illegal to do drugs. It's illegal to it's, possess drugs. It's illegal to have them, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm going to with that is, is, you know, if we were to take these people and say, okay, that, why are you addicted? And, and sort of try to treat those underlying mental health issues, then we might see an improvement in this whole, in, in this whole, I don't know, cycle. Yeah, well, it's definitely there, there's a mental health aspect to it for sure, and uh, we we see that a lot. And but I also think, you know, and I use Jackson as my sure as my canvas here. I spent a lot of time there, and you know what you see a lot in Jackson, it, it's is it's it, it's not necessarily the the mental health issue created the drug issue. It's the drug issue creates the mental health issue. It's a chicken and egg it is type thing sometimes. I mean, everybody wants to go to the sympathetic empathy route immediately and it's like well there's a lot of mental health issues there well obviously there's a lot of mental health issues there um but were they caused by the drug or or was the drug caused by the mental health issue kind of go back and forth on that you can and and i think every every situation is going to be different there's never going to be the same answer for everything yeah you you would ask me why i started doing this before we got on air kind of what was my drive for this and i told you what my personal reason was but one of the other reasons is i do want to learn to be more empathetic Mm -hmm. and 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 try to look at everything on a case-by-case basis instead of throwing a wide net and just being like crackhead Right. You know what I mean? I, and, and I've been very guilty of that. I have posted videos and pictures of, of addicts at their worst roaming, roaming around Jackson. I don't necessarily regret it. And I'm not saying I won't do it again, but I'm trying to be more empathetic. And I'm trying to sure. learn and try to look at everybody as a human being, not just a bad situation. And All I right. respect that. Let, let's take a break real quick. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 1039 WYAB. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. This segment is going to be brought to you by, let's see here, who have I not talked about yet this week? How about Ellis Autoplex? Man, get out there and see us. We'll be open today and tomorrow. We'll be closed Thursday for Thanksgiving. But if you were in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, especially a truck, man, we have turned into little truck city out there on 471 in Rankin County. We also buy vehicles. So if you're in the market to sell your car and you don't feel like dealing with the crazy people on Facebook Marketplace and all that, come by. Let us put an offer on your vehicle. We will write you a check for it on the spot. But, hey, if you're ready to sell it, bring your title with you. And like I say, if you're in the market for a truck, get by check it out. Man, we just got a nice little 2012 F-250 out there with a little lift on it. Maybe a level kit. It looks like a lift to me. But some uh, nice black wheels. It's silver. 
uh, some off-road tire, just a good-looking truck. You can see it now at ellisautoplex.com. All right. I am joined in studio this morning by Christy Barber. She is with the Molly Angel Project, and we are talking about <clears throat> opioid addiction and her her son and his uh, girlfriend's addictions that led her to starting this and uh, the girlfriend's eventual death uh, from overdose and kind of where we're at. We left off in at the point of mental health and stuff. Yeah. And, and I want to pick up our conversation from the break, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We we were talking about, and you said your your point of angst with this is insurance companies. Yeah, it's a big. That's a big one of it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let me ask this because uh, it's relevant. Okay. Do you believe addiction is a disease? And I have a theory <clears throat> on this. Not a right or wrong thing. Just a theory. I believe that when you choose to start using a substance at a certain point. The chemistry in your brain does change. And at that point, it goes from being a choice. You you, you sort of move. And, and one thing that I've seen in, in dealing with, with so many people who have gone through this journey over the years, you move from a point where it's no longer about getting high. That's when it's a choice. You are choosing to get high. And then you wake up one day and you realize you need it not to get sick. And that's sort of that point where it moves from being the choice to get high into this thing that you can't kick because you, you, you you're sick. Um, yeah, I know you've heard the term dope sick going through those withdrawals. It is a very real and a very, very brutal process. I don't know if you've ever walked through it with somebody you love, but it's it's tough. Sure, and I struggle with this one. Okay, because I I, I don't want to argue with somebody who's and I'm not, not arguing a bad way, but I, no, I don't want I don't want to debate somebody who's <clears throat> been on the front lines of the battle like you have about it being an addiction or a disease. And because I deep down, no matter how much I try to see that side of it, I I can't say that something that is self inflicted at the end of the day. Yeah, self inflicted that. That that is a disease. To me, a disease, and this is just Clay's opinion here. I, I, again, I'm not trying to argue with anybody. It, if it's self-inflicted and you know, even if it is a disease, if it's self-inflicted, it's, it's also avoidable. It, you know what I mean? It's like cigarettes. I, I, do I feel bad for people who get cancer from smoking? Absolutely. You feel bad for anybody that gets it. You know, cirrhosis of the liver. Do I feel bad for Absolutely. Uh, AIDS, if you were out there having unprotected sex or using uh, needles intravenously, any of that. Absolutely. I feel terrible for you. But it, it, when it's avoidable, it's, it's just hard for me to wrap my arms around and say, sure. this is the same thing as somebody who woke up with breast cancer or colon cancer or something like that, that just kind of happens. And, you know, so I, and, and I feel like it's been termed a d- disease for insurance purposes. So am, I, am I wrong? N- no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. And, I, that's, and I'm just trying to thing. lead to that part about the insurance with that. Yeah. So, so here's the thing with with that whole debate. We can we can debate it from now to the end of eternity, and we're never going to have the answer. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of it is going to be what you believe and what you want to believe. Um, Sometimes it takes seeing that point where you know it went from from something that someone was choosing. 
Um, I, I agree with you that and, and I can't ever argue with anyone who says that person chose to get high. They did. They did choose to do that, this thing. Yeah. I chose to do a lot of stupid things when I was a kid. But I walked away. Sure. And, and, me and, too. And, 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 and I think saying debate or argue is probably the wrong no, way for me to phrase that. But I think it, 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 it's interesting to be able to have a conversation right. with somebody and see why you look at it this way and here's why I look at it this way. And, and hopefully it brings people to an understanding. I had a lady in here the other day on the complete opposite spectrum of race and politics and diversity, equity, inclusion, all that stuff. And we had a genuine conversation to try to understand each other better. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to do here. Right. And, and I knew I knew coming yeah. here that you and I weren't going to agree on everything. And that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to change your mind. Sure. Um, and I don't think you're here to change my mind. Hmm. This is this is a conversation to bring awareness to something that, quite frankly, everyone is going to see differently. Um, if you if you look at people who are addicted, like I said, it, it, at the beginning of all of this, when I go back and I think my son and I both had these surgeries and and his his pain pills were not nearly as strong as the ones they gave me and at the end of the day i didn't care anything about it that 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 held no interest to me um so obviously there's a difference in the chemistry in the brain there somewhere oh uh, yeah no, let's let's take a call real okay. quick here on the dustin bailey at southern magnolia's realty phone line hey call you're on there hey clay this is amber hey amber Hey, I don't want to debate about it either. This is just my personal opinion, just how I feel as a recovering addict. I've been sober eight years, and I know that if I were to go pick up a bag of dope right now and roll a bowl, I would be right back where I was eight years ago. I know it. One time would be all it would take, and I would be right back to the races because I do think there's something in my brain and I also think it's genetic because my daddy's a recovering alcoholic. My granddaddy's a recovering alcoholic. But I know I cannot function if I go do it one time. There might be people that can maintain. But when it comes to me with the whole disease thing, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence also. But I personally feel like God is so much bigger than all of that. And he rescued me from the lowest of the lowest places. So I don't know either. It's like something I, I kind of go back and forth with people about. You know, people in 12-step programs, they are like, it's a disease. But I'm more faith-based than 12-step, and we're like, God's bigger than what they're calling it. So I don't know. It's just like such a hard thing to say. We'll never know. I mean, we honestly will never know. Well, honestly, Amber, hi. This is Christy, hey. obviously. And and so the the important thing is, regardless of what it is, the important thing is that you know what you need to do to stay away from it. Exactly. And congratulations for that, by the way. Thank it's you. I it's appreciate it. it's nice to hear a success. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, Amber. Have a blessed one. Okay. Bye. bye. Amber was my first guest. It's um testimonial Tuesday. It was kind of her idea. I was like, well, you got to come be the first guest then. Oh, okay. So, that's 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 awesome. Yeah. So she, she's a she's a great person there, and and and. and like I said, I don't want to set this up for people to call in and go back and forth about whether, yeah. if it's a disease or not. I'm just, I'm trying to understand to get to the point of saying, to get to our insurance conversation. Right. Well, let's take a break real quick. When we come back, I want to talk about the 30 day, 90 day where insurance cuts off and what, how that can, how that can be devastating. Okay. All right. Let's do that. This is the Clay Edwards show. We'll be right back. Testimonial Tuesdays here with Christy Barber on 103.9 WYA. When necessary, welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. This segment of our Testimonial Tuesday 
with uh, Miss Christy Barber is going to be brought to you by Watkins Construction and Roofing. A roof repair can cause you a lot of stress. Choosing the right roofing company to repair your roof is going to be very important. Most contractors will try to convince you that replacement is the only way to go, and that, my friends, is not the Watkins way. They believe in an honest assessment. That doesn't necessarily mean replacement. In most cases, all you need is a repair. So, hey, whether you have a leaky roof, you need chimney repair, flat roof repair, roof water leak, shingle roof repair, metal roof repair, chimney flashing repair, Watkins Construction Roofing is your go-to roof repair specialist. Give Watkins Construction and Roofing a call today for your complimentary roof assessment at 601-966-8233 or check them out online, Watkins Construction Inc., Dot com. You can go to Google, Facebook, wherever, check out all their five-star reviews, and uh, you can know that Watkins Construction Roofing is the real deal. Holy field, as folks from South Jackson like to say. <laughs> all right, man, we are live here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studios. And yes, I love putting a little extra sauce on that, so I can't help it. <laughs> I've got Miss Christy Barber in the studio with me this morning, and uh, man, we are having a great conversation. She's with the Molly Angel Project. And uh, it's what I love about doing this is getting to meet people who are passionate because you're not faking this no. to, to come to come and bear bear your soul on a show like this and to talk and stuff. I, I, I have so much respect for the passion and for being able to consistently kind of rip the scab off of of, of a sensitive topic. Yeah, we were talking during you know one of our breaks that time heals all wounds. It does. And doing what you do, you have to constantly rip the Band-Aid off and, and, and talk about this. And, and But the, doing that gives you the ability to stay passionate that's right. about doing it. And that's been somewhere that I faulted after I, after my, after I got – I use the word sober loosely because I still drink. I mean, to this day, I still drink. But in my mind, I don't – I'm not popping pills or smoking meth. So, hey, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm good, you know. <laughs> it's all relative, Clay. <laughs> I, I, I know. And, but that's the, that's the question I ask everybody that comes to the show. I was like, well, people, especially people who are in active recovery, as I ask them, like, what is recovery to you? You know, what can, can you can you be recovered from what you were addicted to and still have a drink or so on the weekends? And uh, collectively, the answer is no. So, but I keep waiting for somebody to tell me yes. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, unpopular opinion time here. I I think that recovery, I I did, I did, I did the NA thing. Okay. So, so let me, let me go back to this. And, and I, I'm saying this for a reason. I did the NA thing when, when this started with my son, you know, okay, my, my child is addicted. What do I do? Everybody said do NA. NA is the way to go. And there's nothing wrong with that program. It was not for me. And that started that realization of every recovery, every journey, every addiction, every family of an addict. Every single situation is going to be different. Do I think that you can have a drink on the weekends? Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't find fault in that if you know your limitations and you know what you need to do. Um, Maybe the better question is, what is addiction for everybody? Because in my mind, and again, this is clearly the mind of a psychopath here, getting into <laughs> Clay Edwards' mind. There's that third person again. Um, I, I look at everybody. Can you do, do you pay your bills? Do you get up and go to mm-hmm. work every day? Life is hard as we get older. I it was is. having a conversation at my mom's birthday dinner Sunday with some folks. I said, the, the older I get, I'm 45 now, and the more... I meet people and the more you become an adult and you, mm-hmm. and, and you understand how tough it is and the stresses and the strains and the commitments and the responsibilities. You know, if somebody 
what somebody does inside the doors of their home, you know, whatever their vice may be, whatever their kink may be, whatever it is, if that doesn't affect your ability to put a roof over your family's head, food right. on the table, so on and so forth, who the hell am I to judge? No, I agree. I agree. You know, and, and as long as you've made it all work for you, but it's when it doesn't work for you and it doesn't work for anybody else and, and it's overtaking, it's the first thing you do when you wake up is grab the pill bottle mm-hmm. or call your dealer or you know, he calls you your job. I mean, we, we you know the difference, right? You do, and and I think that's where I go back to that that moment when you when you stop doing it for the pleasure of getting high, and you start needing it to keep from being sick. That's that's that kind of transition that I was telling you about. From addiction is it, to disease, right? Is is that is that a light switch for anybody? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think that it's something that anyone realizes is happening to them. I've known a lot of people who, you know, do whatever they're going to do and have jobs. Rent ho- My son did at one point in time. Um, it's, it's possible to be, that's what we, you know, that's what you would refer to as a functioning addict. People do it all the time. There are functioning alcoholics every day. Oh, yeah. You work with them. And, and that's none of my business. But I think that there comes a point where it goes from being a choice to not getting sick, to needing it to function. And that's when you start to have a problem. Um, and then you go f- to, to the point that you can't function without it. Gotcha. Um, and, 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 and that's why I like to have the conversation with somebody who, who, sees, it, who, who sees the disease addiction thing as they, mm-hmm. from, the, from the other side. Because I want to I understand how you get to that point of understanding. To, to say, okay, this is why I think it's a disease. And that, again, I, the re-education of Clay Edwards here. Uh, you know, I, I just want to learn what, how other people or why other people see it the way they do. So let, let's rewind a little bit because okay. I'm the king of rabbit holes here. And people who go back and listen to this in the podcast have to think, I thought you were going to come right back to that because the commercials <laughs> go away in the podcast. So it's like you changed subjects and never went back to what you were saying. Insurance. Okay. This is a big thing, and I think it it's is. something a lot of us can all relate to. It, insurance is a nightmare, no matter what, with or without an addiction or a disease. Insurance yes, is, is a nightmare. And <clears throat> so you were telling me about a case of a family friend. They went down to Florida. They mm-hmm. found fentanyl in the son's backpack. He had been through a recovery and addiction and stuff of this right. nature at this he'd, point. He'd been kind of struggling with it, yeah. So does he get arrested in Florida? What ends up happening? No, 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 no. He, he didn't get arrested in Florida. He, um, they, they come home. Family is worried. They call. And, and that's not my story to tell, so I'm going to glaze over a lot of it. I, I want to get to the, to the recovery. To the insurance the thing. The insurance. Um, and, and so I just, I just wanted you to know why I'm being a little bit vague because I'm, I'm try to, I try to be careful about telling other people's stories. So, so they, they come home and the family says, we've got to do something. This is dangerous. This is a slippery slope. We don't know how involved in this addiction he is. We don't know what to do. So one, I made sure they had Narcan because you never know. All, all it takes is one slip and, and that's it. And she brought some Narcan with her today, guys. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, and so then the other thing that we did is the mom said, I want him, I want, I want to make him go to rehab. He needs to be in rehab. So I offered to go to court with him. We go to court. We talk to the judge. The judge was on board completely. We're going to put him in rehab. Everyone says, okay, we, we've tried the, it's, it's actually not a 30 day program. It's a 28 day program. They pay for four weeks. Um, most insurances do. And I can tell you from experience from a lot of those 28 day programs, 
didn't make it through all of them sober. <laughs> you know, they that that's a that's a very short period of time to kind of rewire this whole thing. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're he just goes, detox good, right? Right, you barely, barely. Yeah. Um, and and I'll I'll tell you something my son said about that in a minute. But the judge wrote the order for a ninety day program, and. After 28 days, the insurance company said, oh, no, mm-mm, sorry, no, you're all wrong. We're going to let him go. And they stopped paying for it. So then what do you do? Um, and and sure enough, the kid has struggled since he's gotten home. And, and they're trying to make new decisions now. So, um, so what happens legally? How did that play out? The judge ordered 90 days and nobody can pay for it after 28. Does that put him in contempt? Um, no, I don't think in this case it does because it was a voluntary thing. Okay. Um, now if it, I, I can tell you this from experience and I am not, uh, I'm not a legal eagle by any means. Um, but I can tell you this from experience with my son. If it is a judgment, like a legal judgment because of something they did, they go before a judge because this is a punishment. The criminal element. The criminal element. Um, and that is ordered for 90 days. They'll put him in a state program that can't cut him loose after that. That's yeah. that's just the way it is. I, my son, um, he was sent to uh, East Mississippi over in Meridian one time. And they did the 28-day program first, immediately failed, and sent him right back. And this time did a 90-day program. And he came home and he stayed sober for a little while. Um, do I think that forcing someone into rehab is going to work? Honestly, no, I don't. Um, I don't think that there's any way to make someone have that light bulb go off. Do you, you don't feel like, um, just if it's long enough that it just pistol whoops them into, to just not wanting to get high again? I think, I don't think it Me- mentally, it, well, mentally. I, I think what it does, I think what it does. And, and I can tell you this, this was my son's description of it. He said that first 28 days, he had time to sober up and get mad. He got sober and he got mad because he wasn't high anymore, and that's what he wanted to do. So he got out on 28 days, and he just went and got high. That's what he wanted. Then you go through a longer program, and then at about about 45 days, he starts waking up and realizing that he doesn't feel bad. You know, the, the worst of the detox was over at 28 days, but he still had that craving. So after about 45 days, he started to feel better. And then after about 60 days, he realized that we weren't all out to get him. So it it's not so much just pistol whipping it into them, forcing them to realize it. It's allowing their mind and body time to kind of go through that process of recovery. Now, I've got some friends and uh, that, that we've talked to on the show. Um, I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name. Uh, Nikki Patchen. They're out there at Saving Grace Women's uh, mm-hmm. Home in Rankin County. That's a long-term, year-long commitment out there, I believe. And to me, that's the kind. Of, and everybody can't do that, obviously. Right. Uh, some people got they got to get back in the workforce. They got mouths to feed, so on and so forth. It's just not an option. So I, I don't know. I'm torn on this because I didn't have to go through that. So I don't want to speak outside of my mouth right uh, you know and, and try to say here's what i you know what i think is right or wrong but i, I i'm 100 i think 90 days just it's just getting to the point where 30 days ain't it i no, mean is I it better agree. than nothing from the family member's perspective to know that they're at least got a 30-day chance a puncher's chance i I'll, I'll take it every time i agree you know but knowing that you almost could catch a kidnapping charge when they get out for trying to lock them in a 
in a padded room to keep them <laughs> safe from the world. I mean, I, I see, I've been on both sides. I see it, and it's heartbreaking. It is. You know, and, and you know, talk is. about the mental health aspect. It, all this money, I'm going to get a little off track here before we take this break. We've got about a minute. It, would it be you if you didn't? Well, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. All this damn money that we're sending to somewhere like Ukraine or this big tax cut we just gave, or not even tax cut, this money we just paid this business to bring all these jobs to Mississippi, and we, that has not traditionally worked out for Mississippi. I mean, I'm all for economic development. I am all for it. it you know, if they're bringing 1,000 jobs, whatever. Um, man, we've got to invest into our mental health. We do. For, you know, situation here in Mississippi. I think anybody could agree with this. And people are all clear. You're acting like a Democrat. You're acting like a liberal. Brother, we've got a severe mental health issue problem. Emergency in in, in America. Crisis. crisis, absolutely. And just like we got a border crisis, we have a mental health crisis. We and, do. and if we don't wrap our arms around it, it's going to get uncontrollable. Let's take a break real we're quick. We're getting there. Uh, Christy, we're on fire this morning. I'm really enjoying this. Me too. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 103.9 WYAB. Making rules when necessary. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. I, I, I'm going to save any ad reads for the rest of the for the rest of the show. I, I want to jump to some of these texts real quick to kind of end the first hour. Okay. Um, and, and I know we answered Amber off the air, but I think it's going to be a popular question. So let's revisit it. How can people who want to get some Narcan get Narcan? As an emergency to help save somebody or potentially themselves. The easiest thing to do, you can either message me through the Facebook page. Which is the Molly the Angel. The Molly Angel Project. Yep. There's a, a purple ribbon. Purple uh, purple and black ribbon is the awareness ribbon for overdose and addiction. Um, that's the profile picture. You'll find it. And I shared a post from there last night on my personal Facebook. Just search Clay Edwards. It's the profile with me wearing the yellow t-shirt. Um, you can text me at 601 601- Two six zero one eight seven nine, or I do have an anonymous number set up through through Google Numbers um, that rings only to my phone. If you don't want me to know, which I get that, and and that's okay. I don't I I don't need to ask questions. Um, I want this to be an anonymous process if that's what you need to feel safe. So the other number is going to be seven six nine two two four zero four four seven. So either one of those numbers, you can reach me directly. Repeat, no questions. Repeat the numbers. Um, you can text 601-260-1879 or 769-224-0447. All right. When we come back, I've got a laundry list of things I want to talk about. You were a part of making the Good Samaritan Law happen too, right? Um, small part. I, I, I wrote an article. I want to talk about that. Yeah. I want to talk about enabling. I don't want to get into anything that you want to talk about. Okay. This is the Clay Edwards Show. I'm joined in the studio this morning by Christy Barber with the Molly Angel Project. And it is our Testimonial Tuesdays live here in the Matt Kike Flowood Studios. We'll be right back in seven minutes. Okay. All right. Welcome back into the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. It is the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here in the Matt Kike of Flowood Studios. Studios. Sorry, I got that wrong. The Mack Hike Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Flowood Studios. Got to put that sauce on it. Uh, this segment is going to be brought to you by our good friends out at Boondocks 
Firearms Training Academy. That's out there in your neck of the woods, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right out there town. in Raymond. Hey, look, man, you may not know this. They have got some membership packages available now. And if you are looking for a great stocking stuffer as Black Friday approaches and Christmas approaches, go check out boondocksfta.com. Go click the membership tab and you can get your loved one, male or female, a individual package for $25 a month. The family package, which is a great bargain for 35 a month. But here's the deal. That's the standard. The trainer package comes with so many perks for just a little bit extra, 40 for an individual, 50 for a family. And you get a free training voucher for the individual or for the family with that. You also get a $15 guest fee versus a $30 guest fee. You get 10% off in the pro shop. That means on your guns and ammo and everything else. Also, if you order guns online, you're familiar with the firearms transfer fee. With the standard package, it's $25 a firearm. With the trainer's package, it's zero. So, man, if you're one of these folks that orders a lot of guns online, this page for itself. I mean, you're costing them money if you do this enough. <laughs> so <clears throat> check it out. That's boondocksfta.com. All right. I'm joined in the studio by Miss Christy Barber. And we are talking about addiction. And, man, we are running the gamut here. I'm, I'm really enjoying this this morning. We've gone from addiction to disease. And we've got a lot of text messages on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, I and look, and I appreciate everybody. I, I'm going to try to keep it positive this morning, and we're, we're never all going to agree on this. We're so, not. There, so there's no point in arguing all day about it. But one of the things we talked about that I think is really important is this <clears throat> this enabling thing. Yeah. And I there's a family member that I have criticized privately for being an enabler, but. As the last year or so has unfolded, and especially after listening to you and and starting talking to the show and talking to family members, what the hell are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, you talked about your son showing up, and I don't want to tell your story, but just to set it up, you talk about your son showing up wanting food, and people are like, no, you got to cut him off. You got to say nothing. I'm not giving you anything. And you're like, I don't want the last words to my son to be, no, I wouldn't give you anything to eat. You want to enlighten yeah. folks? So, so I, like I was saying, I went through when this started, I, I did the NA thing. That's what, that's, that's your choice. You go to NA and you learn how to deal with your, with your family member who's addicted. And the answer was always the same. No enabling. Don't, don't feed them. Don't, don't take their phone calls. Don't let them come home. Don't give them money. Don't do this. Don't do, don't do any of the things. And, and I remember telling my husband, um, before we were married, but I remember telling him, I, I, can't, I can't. He's my only child. The reality is for a lot of us who, especially in today's day and age, this is, this is different from the 70s when, when people were smoking and drinking and, you know, out partying and having a good time. These drugs can kill these kids. And a bad trip was the worst. And, right. I, I mean, I mean, you, you ate too many Cheetos. I don't know. What, whatever, whatever the case was, but now one hit, one, one moment. One pill can kill. And they're gone. Yeah. And so the reality is I could lose him any day. And, and, and if I lose him tomorrow, can my last words be, I, I'm not going to feed you. 
I, I'm no, you can't come home and sleep in your bed and, and be home for the night. I can't do that. So I kind of had to find my own path through that. Did you did you have to go through everybody in your social circle that wasn't going through it telling you what they would do? Absolutely. Well, what I would do, yeah. what I would do, this tough love, this what, what I would do. And do. I've been guilty of that. I, I, people are listening to this right now talking about, Clay, you do that. <laughs> I know I we do. We all do. And I'm walking through it. I'm talking through it here, trying to see the other side of it. And I'm sure at first you're like, well, that's what I should do. Right. I'm going to try that. And right. then you realize that that ain't working. It's not. You know, it ain't working. I, I told the story to you. I probably told this story on there. You know, my mom was one of the first female narcotics agent in the state working for MBN. And now she uh, works for another three-letter uh, drug enforcement agency. <laughs> and <clears throat> shout out to everybody downtown at the DEA office. I know y'all guys listen. I appreciate it. Whew, thank God I'm on y'all's good side now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I told you my mom found out about my addiction in the 90s because I was under investigation from the MBN. And imagine being tied to a drug enforcement agency and find out that your son is under investigation. So as I've gotten older, it's not fun. No, no. (laughs) You know, and I've gotten older. I I realized the hell I put my parents through. And I remember them taking my bedroom door off the hinges Mm -hmm. at their house. No, no, you're not even going to get a bedroom door. My, my my dad did that, and, and and you know, and I was so mad at the time, but I look back, and I'm like, they were trying so hard to save my life. Absolutely, you know, and it's different for everybody, you know. People telling everybody, well, well here's what I would do. Here's what I would do, and man. You don't know until you do. And I, and, I, and that people mean well too. So there's they a fine do. line in not telling them you don't know what you would do, right? Until I, you until you have to do it. So one lesson, one absolute lesson that I have learned is that being confrontational is never going to change anybody's mind. So really, if somebody is is trying to tell you something, and, and honestly, regardless of their presentation of that, they mean well. They want to help, even if their presentation is very upsetting. So getting confrontational back with them is not going to change how they feel about it. You just kind of have to accept that advice and find your own path. I mean, you're not going, there is no one size fits all here. Um, My path worked for me with my son, but I never, we never had to worry about him being aggressive. Um, I hear a lot of times that, that some of these kids, especially with certain drugs like crystal meth, it makes their behavior a little more aggressive. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so. Especially depending on how long they're actively right. in, how long, how long have they been awake? Right. Absolutely. And, and, and we had an incident one time. My husband has told my son, I, I'm sorry, I can't let you be alone with her right now. Because he was extremely paranoid, and and he thought that the mailboxes were watching him, and people were taking pictures, and he wanted to talk to me, and the only place we could talk safely was in the car, and Mike was like, I'm I'm sorry, I just I can't let that happen right now, but other than that, he's he's never been aggressive toward me, but not everyone gets to tell that story. There are people who have that aggressive behavior from their child, and they have to they have to find their own way with that. Does that go back? So, your son. Opioids was his yes cocktail of choice. Yes, 
does that go back to what you were saying about he ain't got this, so I'll take this, and he right. took, went down the crystal meth that, rabbit hole? Right. He did. He did. Yeah. Um, and, and there were times that, um, for lack of a better way to say it, he, he'd just be on the run trying to hide from me and, and just would use... Because obviously an opiate is, is what you would call a downer. And, and he would start to kind of come down from, from this whatever he was feeling. And he said that, you know, he'd do crystal meth and get back up again and then just go all over again. Um, and it becomes a very volatile situation. I don't know another way to say it. It's no, no. Just, I mean, it's, it, it's a very it, – it's dangerous for his health. It's dangerous for the people around him. Now, I can honestly say I, I've never felt threatened by my child, and not every mom can say that, and, and I totally understand that, and I respect that. Not every mom can say there's never been a moment that I was afraid of my child, and, and the amount of pain and sympathy I feel for those moms who don't have that. For the moms who have had to have that moment where they are afraid. I, I hate that for them. Um, and what I do is not an approach for everybody. Um, all I can do is just talk about it and kind of say, hey, this is, this is what's worked for me. And, and maybe we can find your path. Um, so somewhere along the lines there, somebody suggested to you, you should write a book and title it, If My Son Dies Tomorrow. Right. That's, that's what I ask myself. Every time I've ever had to make a decision after that whole N.A., cut him off, all that stuff, um, I started asking myself if, you know, if he called me and he said, Mom, I'm hungry, I, I would ask myself literally, if my son dies tomorrow, what can I live with? If I give him $20 and he buys dope and he dies of an overdose, can I live with that? No, I, I can't. But he can't overdose on pepperonis from Domino's, so I can send him a pizza. Yeah, so and kind of kind of wrapping up the the enabling part of this and that conversation of well, here's what I would do, what should I do, so on and so forth. It it's hard, you know. We sit there and we say we would all do anything for our children. I mean, I think everybody says that. I don't think it's oh, yeah. other, I don't think anybody will debate that. Sometimes, sometimes tough love is not that you know cutting folks off. I get it, man, because I know I've said that. I've told people that I've probably needed to have it done to me but sometimes that's not the option sometimes you know that's just not could you live with yourself i think it's a, it and, would and be the, should be the, 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 the title should be should i live with can i live with myself if my son dies tomorrow and i did nothing right and yeah. i couldn't yeah. i i mean i can tell you right now i couldn't i couldn't live with myself if if i got that phone call tomorrow and i had spent the last eight years not speaking up, not trying, not trying to educate people, not fighting for him. Could I live with myself? It'd be mighty hard. All right. Let's take a break on that. When we come back, let's talk about the Narcan. Okay. Let's talk about the Good Samaritan stuff. Um, I, I do want to get into the Good Samaritan law and understanding what that is for folks I okay. don't know. And hey, real quick, my grandmother's listening out there. Pretty mama, happy birthday. We will uh, look forward to seeing you. I think she is 88 today. So my favorite race car driver is a second number, Dale Earnhardt Jr., 88. So shout out to my grandmother. Happy birthday. And this is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 103.9 WYAB. When All right. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studios. Hey, man, look, if you're in the market for a 
quality new Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Ram or nice used vehicle, get out to Mack Hike Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Flowood right there on Lakeland Drive at Airport Road. Go see my buddy Corey McDonald and let him, Parker, Bennett, Abe, any of the great sales folks over there, let them get you rolling, man. Look, go follow them on Facebook, Mack Hike Flowood. And the website is MacHikeCDJRF.com. All right. I am joined here in the Mac Hike of Flowood Studios by Miss Christy Barber with the Molly Angel Project. Man, we've been going down some rabbit holes and a bunch of good conversations. Um, had somebody text in a second ago that says, I'm turning the station off. I don't agree with your guest. And that's fine. I mean, but the, the point is to try to see the other side of things. And I don't really sure what the other side of this would be other than people dying. But, uh, you know, so neither here nor there. I, I respect people's opinions. And, you know, try to understand it. We do this because I want people who have a family member possibly right. that is struggling with this. I want them. Like, I don't think we have a bunch of active addicts listening, getting up at 7 in the morning listening to the show. Right. Maybe. I mean, you know, who knows? And if, if you are, I hope you get help. But what I, what I want to do is bring awareness to situations and how to recognize things that are going wrong and how to get help if you need it from the family member's point of view. And, and that's what this is for. You know, we love just Christians to say, if we can just change one life. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's what I'm trying to do is just, you know, change a life. And if we start with one, then two, then three, then four. And know? and the thing is, I, I'm going to throw this out there real quick. I know that not everyone agrees with me. I, and I get that. And that's okay. I I hate that anyone would choose just not to listen than to say, hey, look, this is why I don't agree, and and let's talk about it. Because I think that's what you and I are here for. We talked about a little while ago, I knew coming here that you and I did not agree on all of these things. But we can have this conversation, and whether you make me see things a different way or I help you see things a different way, whatever the, whatever happens in that conversation, it can't happen unless we have it. You know, for example, I— I know there's a lot of people who don't agree with me posting the videos of addicts around Jackson at their mm-hmm. absolute worst. Well, here's my flip side of that argument is, you know, you're with your family. You got some young kids or whatever. You're on your way to the fairgrounds. You stop at the Texaco or whatever it is on High Street now to get some gas or run in and grab a Coke or something. And you got a bunch of junkies over here uh, having some kind of three-ring circus fighting. Just all kind of nasty stuff. And now you're you're in a public place and you're exposing people who did not ask to see none of that. It's one thing if you're just sitting on the side of the building, minding your own business, but that ain't never the case. I I got videos of a guy dry humping a sidewalk. I've got uh, another guy trying to stab a guy half neck. Nobody wants to see that. Now, I guess the flip side would be, well, why are you posting it if nobody wants to see it? Well, I want to make people aware, hey, this is going on down here. You may want to think twice about taking your family down here. It's almost like a warning label. That's what I tell people the Save Jackson page is. It's not about saving Jackson. It's about saving yourself from Jackson. It is a, it's the warning label on the side of a dryer, on the side of a hair dryer. Right. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just Captain Obvious stuff. Don't, don't use it in the shower. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want people to expose their families to some of this stuff or themselves. I mean... It, it's ugly, ugly, ugly out there. And you, sometimes people don't believe that it's real. And I get people all the time that message me. They're like, I, I, frankly, I thought you were just being a hater. And I've been having to go to Jackson more for whatever reason. And I see that there's a lot of stuff you don't show that you could. 
Yeah. I said, I said, oh, I said the, the stuff that I get sent that I can't post would blow people's minds. Absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of what I do with the Molly Angel Project is in Jackson. Yeah. I'm I'm there a lot, and and I know, I know the people that you're talking about, and 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 I'll be the first one to tell you that I have not always enjoyed the videos because some of the people that you see are people whose stories I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, you posted a video one time of someone who actually came out from behind a dumpster and helped me find my son. Yeah. Um, and so that's, there's, there's always a flip side to that. And that's, that's not having those arguments isn't, isn't what this is about. Mm -mm. You, you post what you post for your own reasons. And I'm quite frankly, I like hearing your explanation for it because I've wondered like what, what good, what good is going to come over out of this video being out there? Well, we've also helped family locate people. Absolutely. And now, for as many times as I've been cussed out, I've been thanked. Absolutely. But hey, I, me too. <laughs> we 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 didn't know where he or she was. Right. You know, and and there's one guy that was riding a bicycle. Up and not to just get too knee deep in this, there was a guy riding a bicycle all banged up. You know, when I banged up means messed up, effed right. up. Um, he was all banged up, up and down the front of the road there, and falling over. And I just, I, and I was angry from the side that man, you, you could ruin somebody's life if they run over and kill you. Absolutely. And they had to live with that because you're riding your bike all banged up. You need to be, you need to be publicly. People need to be aware of that you, that you're out here doing this. That that somebody's all messed up on heroin, riding their bicycle all up and down the front of the road. Because if they run over and kill you, and I, and somehow or another, I'm going to make an argument for people <laughs> drinking and driving. For instance, you're down at one of those rest, bars or restaurants. You have two or three drinks. We know you ain't supposed to drive after that, but guess what? People do. Then you have you have dude all banged up on heroin, riding his bicycle up and down the front of the road, falling down in and out of traffic, all that. They run over him. He's most likely dead. They go to jail for the rest of their life for vehicular manslaughter uh, while intoxicated. So it's just a terrible situation that can happen on both sides right. or, or, or just an innocent family who hadn't had anything to drink. Imagine, you know, somebody the the guilt of running over and killing somebody. Absolutely. I, because I, that person, that person had a family too. And that could lead them to addiction and alcoholism or whatever else, because they live with the guilt of running over somebody. I mean, not everybody can brush it off and go on about their life. But here's, here's my question about that. And and it's one of those things that um, that it's it, this is it's it's almost a rhetorical question. What is the solution? So I can tell you from experience that there's very little mental health to be health help to be found found. Um, there are very few re- rehab beds to put your family member in. I've I've been out there looking for my son who I knew was all banged up on heroin out there in those streets. Yeah. And and I find him and I have him in front of me and I say just just come home. We'll we'll get through detox. I I know how to help you. We can do this. It's going to be okay. And he's like, "I will go to rehab. I will go somewhere in detox, but I will not come home and do it in your house." I don't have anywhere to send you. <laughs> and and I've had to I've had to say those words. 
I, I called. The, you know, there's a 1-800 number you can call. Get your, get your family member help today. And, and I will never forget what this lady told me. She said, okay, we can get him in somewhere for detox and rehabilitation. It's going to be $24,000. Huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said, but, but that's okay. You don't have to pay all of it up front. You can pay half of it today and then half within seven days. Uh, again, huh? <laughs> I, how, how do people do that? So, so I understand you're, you're, you're doing as a warning to people to, hey, this, this is out there and you need to be careful and you need to watch out. But from a family member's perspective whose kid has been out there, what, what is our choice? Yeah. What do we do? So being um, example specific here, okay, I, I felt like that guy could have just stayed in his house and done his drugs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Stay off the roads. Did he have a house to go to? This particular guy did. Okay. Okay. I'm following you. This particular person did. Okay. Um, You know, and people reached out. Would you please take that video down? I'm like, no. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to make any. any, If he goes and gets cleaned up, yeah, I'll take the video down. And he did, and I did. Okay. Eventually. Good. Uh, he, He was friends with the shower power people, and that's how I came to get to know them. So... I did, but if you're just still actively out there and you just don't want people knowing you're out there banged up, well, don't be out in public. And and I understand that. <laughs> and, and I also get there's people who live on the streets and they don't have a place to go to. I, I, I understand all of it. I, I do, and it goes back to there not being a right or a wrong There's not for this. There's, there's people who just are firmly on both sides, and I'm trying to find a middle ground. With, right. It goes back to me looking for finding, trying to find some empathy. And and this. that's where that's where you have a platform. And you have the right to use your platform for any message you want to use it for. I have the right to use my platform for the message that I want. And where you have growth is where you find this middle ground where you, with your platform and me with my platform, we can come together and say, I, I don't think I agree with everything you have to say, but let's learn. Well, Let, we, let's learn from each other. We all agree that we don't want people out on the roads Messed up. Absolutely. For, for, what, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, for multiple multitude of reasons. You don't want somebody doing the drugs and being out there. You don't want somebody out there that exposing themselves in more ways than one to people who didn't ask to be exposed to that. Right. And, you know, how do we how do we get people to help? And it, a lot of it's just going to go back to the mental health stuff. And, yeah, you know, we haven't, we haven't talked about overprescribing and the things that lead to addiction and it's almost like beating a dead horse. You know, you say the same things over and over. Is it fixing anything? No. I've lost interest in constantly going back to the overprescribing thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not true. It's obviously true, but we we know let's just, let's address it from point B, you know, from where the addiction begins. We know how they got it. Typically it's from a medical thing. But it's not always. Like I said, not with, with me, it wasn't. It was a party thing. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are like that, especially with this uh, this fentanyl craze. A lot of people, were, you, you hear every parent wants to think, this is probably wrong of me to say. This is an assumption that I would assume most parents who lose a child from a bad pill type situation want to think that was the first time they ever tried a pill. Absolutely. I mean, because you hear that story a lot. They had never done it before. Never done it. How do you know? You know, but I don't want to argue with them about that. They lost a child. But 
it is a lot of times it's a party thing. Or I remember the, I actually do remember the very first time I took a pain pill. I got some my wisdom teeth pulled. That did not lead to any issues. But that was the first time that I said, "Well, that was fun." Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, could go, get used to that. I got some more wisdom teeth. I think I need cut out. <laughs> so they grew back. <laughs> they, they, you wouldn't believe it. It's a medical miracle. <laughs> it is a medical miracle. You, let's uh, let's run through the text messages real quick. We need okay. to take a break, but. I just want to hit these real quick. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, John texts in on the Guns and Gear text line. says, hey, if that lady ever runs across vets that need that kind of help, the VA has a 28-day program just for future reference. Awesome. That's good to know. Um, and, and if you have any contact for that, if you'd let me know, because unfortunately, that is a very real like sub crisis of the crisis in whole uh, as a whole, you know, they, they've served and given parts of their lives and, and oh, now we don't have the services to help them. Well, that's a huge part. I, we have a buddy of ours, Mike Watkins, and he's very public about this while I say his name and he's probably listening now. He, he, he's got a, I, I call it a ministry. It's not really a ministry, um, but he, he was a vet or he is a vet and got addicted to pain pills and antidepressants mm-hmm. and all that stuff that they give you coming out. And his whole thing is medical marijuana has helped him get off all that. And, and absolutely. And that's a question that I've posed a couple of times is how is the recovery community going to address med- medical marijuana now? It, you know, that's because it's been shoved down people's throats that this is a drug, this is a drug, this is a drug. Well, how is the recovery community going to look at that? as a as a way to get off these other drugs is that an acceptable drug goes back to what is recovery right you know let's take a break real quick and let's hit this on the side of the break this is the clay edward show we'll be right back on 103.9 wyab breaking rules when necessary welcome back into the clay edwards show so one of the things we've been talking about we're live here in the mac hike of flowwood studios and i know I, we get a little all over the place, and I, frankly, I don't remember where we left off at. But one of the things we were talking about during the break, and I, I think this is very relevant, is uh, we were, I know we talked about doctors overprescribing and this, that, and the other. And I, one of the things we're talking about is when they made it harder to get opioids, mm-hmm. when they when they when they kind of started taking, they say, okay, well, doctors are overprescribing, so we're gonna we're gonna take the power out of the doctors' hands. They can't do this. They've scared doctors to death for writing. Right, the government opioids. regulated doctors. And we were talking about medical marijuana is where we were. Yeah, at. that's, that's, that's where, where we dropped were. off at. And I think we just got to we can close that there. It's going to be interesting to see how how they the the recovery community wraps their arms around that because we're both pro pro choice pro absolutely pro medical pro marijuana. And and I know a lot, I know a lot of people that it's helped. And and quite frankly. I can't speak for the recovery community as a whole, but I can tell you that there was a time that I, I really wished my son would just come home and smoke weed like a normal teenager. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I think that there are benefits, but it's like anything else. You, you've got to be careful of the risks, too. Yep. I mean, too much Coca-Cola can be a risk. Oh, I, I, absolutely. You know. So fast forwarding to, to what we were just talking about um you were saying your grandfather was a doctor and, yeah. and in the nineties and the big push for Oxycontin. And, yeah. and I've watched a documentary on Netflix recently about a guy down in new Orleans or in Louisiana, whose son died from getting, getting a, going to a pill mill down there. Mm-hmm. And this guy went to him. He fought the big, the big companies and all that. It was a really good documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but 
just got me to thinking, as bad as that was, is what we're dealing with now, it has to be worse. It is. I mean, with, with the fentanyl crisis and go back to the iron law prohibition and, and all that, and you made a great example. Uh, we were talking about when you outlaw something, well, the criminals just find a way to make a stronger, a more powerful, smaller version of that to to eliminate as much risk as possible. And you said when people go to football games. Right. It, when, when, and, and I can't take credit for this example. I, I heard it from a friend. And, and when you go to a football game, if you go to Mississippi State or Ole Miss, whoever you support, and you're outside in the parking lot tailgating and grilling and hanging out and drinking beer. Well, when you go to go through the gates of that stadium, you're not allowed to take alcohol in. I mean, I'm not going to try to smuggle in a 12-pack of beer. I'm going to take a flask of tequila or whiskey or whatever whatever it is. You you condense that into as small a package as possible so you can smuggle it in. Well, you know, I remember going to the Jackson Bandits ice hockey games. Mm-hmm. and Fun times. Just sitting out in the parking <laughs> lot, pounding as many beers as possible, because this is before they even sold beer in the Coliseum. Yeah. And then we'd sneak little airplane bottles of Jaeger or whiskey or whatever, you know, however we could get them on our body right. in there. And it's to your point, then you're, then you're binge drinking or drinking on way more powerful than what you would because you can't get it because of prohibition right? Uh, or, or whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. And so when you take the power away from, and, and I understand, I want to say, I understand that mistakes have been made. Mistakes have been made by everyone. I, I remember I remember the things in the 90s. I was watching Dope Sick on, on, on Hulu, and I, I told my husband, it was hard to watch in some places. It's very realistic. It, it hits home. Um, but when, when you sort of look at the big picture of that, when you stop treating people as patients and you say okay you just have to stop we're just not going to do this anymore when you started seeing that uptick in overdose deaths is when they said we're taking this away some of them make some of them may stop using some of them may say oh well i guess i'm just going to have to hurt now but there's going to be a percentage of people who try to find another way, and that other way is always going to be more dangerous, and it's always going to be deadly. No, no, a- a- absolutely, absolutely. Let's see here. Just checking on some text. I, I was, I've told the story, but I remember sitting in my pain management clinic's waiting room, mm-hmm. and this was kind of like that aha moment. It wasn't the final nail in the coffin for my for my taking pain pills, but it was it was what led me down the road that that made me stop. I was sitting in the, going for my, my refill, I guess got one refill, so I had to go every other month. And I was sitting there and I was just looked around at a bunch of just sickly people mm-hmm. and we're filling out this chart and it had a bunch of, it, it had about 12, 12 smiley and frowny faces on it. Yep. You start with the smiley face at a zero for pain, you go all the way to the frowny face for a 10 for pain. And a bunch of 20 questions or so. And I just remember looking around and saying, I ain't doing this no more. Yeah. I don't, this ain't, this ain't where it's at for me. And uh, I just, I got up and walked out. Now, bought a few off the street here and there, kind of as I was winding down over the next year or so, get a craving. I would just get a couple pills, whatever. But that was, it was just like, I I don't feel like a human. It was just dehumanizing to me. I felt like a number 
And I under and it was at that moment that I really understood what a pill mill was. Yeah. Because I felt like I was at a pill mill. I was just, I was not a patient. I was a customer. And I was like, this is not, not this ain't it for me. Yeah. And, you know, but everybody talked about aha moments. And oh, yeah. I've I had a few them. of them. Yeah. Well, me, me, <laughs> me too. And, 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 and I, hopefully I continue having them because I think that's where we get enlightenment from is, is aha moments. And where we have life changing ch- choices are made. So that was, that was it for me. I was like, I, this isn't, I'm not a patient here. And I'm not sick. I'm doing this because my back hurts a little, but really more so that I could take Advil or a leave for that, honestly. I'm doing this because I like the way those things make me feel. And that's not sick. That's being an addict. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to be that. And I didn't go through the dope sick part of the, thank God. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and so I, 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 my story is different from that perspective. So I, I can't understand that side of it because I, I mean I understand it, I, I see it, you, I, you know you I get see it. it, yeah. You know I I have a lot of uh, respect for what people have to go through, but I didn't have to go through that, so I, I don't ever want to feel like I'm speaking from that perspective. But I, maybe I maybe my perspective, uh, somebody's doing it right now, and the path was if I had kept going down that trajectory, was to be one of these folks behind a dumpster right at a gas station parking lot fighting with other other addicts I, you, you don't know but it wasn't positive it wasn't good maybe it was a grave maybe it was one pill maybe i was still wanting to work every day as a functioning addict and i got one bad pill and i'm dead well and and that's i wasn't going to point it out un, until you brought it up but you said you know you casually kind of bought a pill here and there i mean again that's that's your business that's your right to do that but how easily could that one pill have been not what you thought you purchased? Oh, it probably and, and was. And how often do you hear that? And it probably was multiple times. Probably. You know, I just, the, the, the organs of an ox, I guess. But, and just God wasn't, God didn't see fit. For, he had a bigger plan. And that's what I have to tell myself. So I don't have guilt about people that I've lost along the way and, <clears throat> and so on and so forth. Absolutely. You know, you just got to kind of. I agree. You got to man up and just a woman up and just do it, you know. And I, so that's why I don't mind talking about this stuff. It, it, it's it's therapeutic for me. Like when when I first got into the kind of talking about recovery, we I was one of the founding uh, people with the uh, with the churches celebrate recovery stuff. One of the leaders, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> and I remember we did that first class, and I thought how under not under prepared, under equipped I was. With where I was at, I was about six years. I just wasn't running those circles. I wasn't I hadn't talked about it. I wasn't ripping that Band-Aid off. And where, where, I, where I could manage a conversation with somebody who was battling active addiction or <clears throat> trying to get into recovery. And I, there was another guy in the room that was just way more. I said, you need to be the leader of this group. I said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sink this ship. Now, <laughs> I think I could do it now. Yeah. But four years ago, I, wasn't, it, I, I was w- punching way above my weight trying to do it and i've regretted that decision and that's kind of where i've kind of led me to this i think we all have we all have that moment i i've had plenty of moments where i said this is this is not i'm not qualified for this path and and i said that to a friend one time Mm -hmm. and she was like well who is 
I mean, somebody, somebody's got to do it. You see the need, let's do this. Where do you put on a resume that you're qualified for right. this? What does that look like? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, where was that in the job description? Yeah. But, but it is, I think we all kind of go through that moment when you're, when you're finding your voice and you're finding your platform. We talked about a platform. When you're finding that where you think, I'm not qualified to be the voice of that platform. I'm not ready for that. Oh, I tell people all the time, I have no clue how I became the the, the voice of whatever I'm the voice of, but somebody's got to do it. It might as well be me. But you're here. And if one person's going to listen, then use your voice for good. Absolutely. Let's take our last break of the day. Come back, land this plane. Okay. All right. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 103.9 WYAB. Breaking rules, baby. All right, man, look. We are back live here in the Mac Hike of Flowood Studios. If you guys are hungry tonight, hit up Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's uh, on take a break deliveries, get some food delivered. Heck, just go in and sit down, have a pizza with Chip and the crew. They'll be closed Thursday for Thanksgiving. Chip said he's going to the Egg Bowl to watch Ole Miss lose. I mean, uh, that's not what he thinks is going to happen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. All right, man, but let's land the plane here with Christy. Christy, uh, I appreciate you coming in today. And it, it, it was it. nice to have a, another conversation with somebody who sees things a little differently. But at the end of the day, I made an analogy. I said, well, you know, we can all have our core values. I don't want to be so, right. so rigid in my beliefs that I, I can't act, uh, process new data, new information, a new story, and maybe change my mind on some things. And nobody, nobody should ever want to be that way. Now, there's right. my foundations. There's things I'm firm about, my, my, my faith, my family, uh, my, the Constitution, I mean, there's things that we all, we're not wavering on. Right. But I, I compared it to being like using a Christmas tree every year. You can Absolutely. use that same tree, but the decorations can change. Right. We're just going to put twinkly lights on clay. Exactly. <laughs> this year we got red decorations instead of white or blue or green or whatever. Look, we got about a minute left. Tell everybody how they can find you again. Okay. So the Molly Angel Project is on Facebook. Um, and and it's the, the profile picture is just a, a white background with the purple ribbon. It says the Molly Angel Project. Um, my number is 601-260-1879. The anonymous line is 769-224-0447. You can contact me at either one of those numbers or message me through the Molly Angel Facebook page. Um, Narcan is always safe to use. I do want to, I know we didn't get into it a lot, um, but Narcan is always safe to use. It is the only process it interrupts is the opiate overdose process. If right. We gotta go. Okay. Right, sorry. sorry. Hey, look, I will have some Narcan. <laughs> She's giving me one. If anybody needs it, see y'all tomorrow. Mike Madison up next. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow at 7 a.m. as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.